Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. Because I see the goal. I see where we go and see the opportunity and opportunities in life extension technologies and digital health in the next 10, 20 years. Using the best of today's technology, environment and lifestyle changes to stay at healthy and happy state. So then in 10, 20 years time, when we have all the benefits of technologies and scientific discoveries from near horizon of longevity innovation, we can apply it to us. Our life is not gonna look like one day you need to decide whether you live in 130 years or you're gonna live in forever. Our life will be series of life extension decisions every three, five, seven years. I tell you what's interesting to me. I I set a goal and my goal was to live to 130 years old. And everybody thought I was crazy until I met a guy like you that says, no, 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 no. 130 is a little bit too young, my friends. My goal is 200. So my first question is, how did you arrive at the number 200? Why 200? Okay, two angles. One is... I just want all of us to be clear about this. Living to 200 is completely irresponsible promise in the context of where we are today with science and technology, okay? Okay, yeah. Like the maximum lifespan on Earth was 122. And um, I'm pretty sure in the next 10, 20 years, within the near horizon of longevity innovations, we're going to get a lot of technologies. And we can discuss the fields like, where it will come from, like gen, you know, gene editing, gene therapy, organ regeneration, to, to break this, this sound barrier of 122 years of maximum lifespan. But like as of today, there's no way we can extend uh, our life beyond 120 years. So that's one. Uh, then how did I arrive to this number? So my, like for so many of us, my discovery path, and discovery road in the field of health and longevity started with the personal health crisis. That's the unfortunate reality. It's not about carrots. It's about sticks all the time. Like we face something dangerous, bad for our health or the health of our loved ones. And then we start like, oh my goodness, this whole thing exists. I need to manage that. I need to you know, take responsibility for my health and my longevity uh, as well. So, and and. Because of that, I always had a lot of ideas of how 
uh, all of us can change our life to, to become a healthy and happier person. And, and this is what we can do right now. Like if you look at the book, there's the bonus chapter, which is twice as long as any other chapter in the book. It's actually dedicated to 10 longevity choices of today. But then when I started to communicate, to share it with the world, people, and it's, it's all simple stuff. It's like early diagnostic, yeah, using the power of wearables, right? You know, seeing your doctor and doing medical screening uh, every year, diet, uh, physical exercise, uh, mindfulness and meditation. The, the overall reaction was always like, well, Sergey, my mom told me that. It's so boring. So then I developed like this, like on a second horizon, right to live to 150 and uh and again this is all kind of gene editing longevity and appeal uh, everything which we'll see in the next 5 10 15 years so people i can see that people started to be a little bit more interested in it they're like oh, okay i can see the future and now i have a reason to work with my today because i see the goal i see where we go and see the opportunity uh, and opportunities in life extension technologies and digital health in the next you know, 10, 20 years. So then I thought like 150, right? It's not really ambitious. Like 122 is there, like 150 is only incremental change. And I'm insecure overachiever. Like yeah. every time I achieve something, yeah, I'm like, okay, this is done. Book, Wall Street Journal bestseller, USA Today bestseller, uh, number one Amazon in three categories, boom. It takes five minutes for me to adjust to this reality. And I'm like, go in next. Like some people think it's great. Uh, it's not that great all the time. You, just, you cannot really celebrate your successes. So I thought if I'm going to live to 150 years, I would just say, okay, Sergey, just like 28 years more than the maximum lifespan on earth. It's not really satisfying. So I just put the bar higher to okay. 200 years. <clears throat> that and makes actually, perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. That led to development of the far horizon of longevity innovation, because to live beyond 150, we would need to redefine humans, to integrate with machine. And that's like a different horizon, right? It's a different ethical and technological dilemmas as well. Okay, so let's let let's let's dissect that down a little bit. You've you've mentioned that we're on the brink of a longevity revolution, and that it's that it's possible now to reverse a, reverse age, as well as treat uh, incurable diseases. Can you paint a picture? of how you see that happening. I know that you mentioned right now that, you know, where we are, like I listened to an interview with someone I'm sure that you know, uh, Ray, Ray Kurzweil. And, sure. you know, he said, look, where we are right now, we're not, we're not going beyond 122 years, but where we're going to be in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, if I can just get myself there, then I can create the longevity. And I think that that is what you're trying to do now as well. So can you sort of um, paint a picture for me of how you see yourself stair-stepping your way to 200? Okay, great question. So it's a little bit like with HIV, right? When a few decades ago, people got HIV, like the, the first strategy was to buy some time, to slow down disease for... At, at, at certain level. So then in the course of like 10, 20 years, we can develop the cure against that. Well, that's our current, I mean, it's a metaphor, right? That's our current strategy with aging. 
we all know after turning 50 and when aging process starts in our body around 40 or 45 years, our chances to die from age-related diseases are exponentially increasing. Like after yep. 50, 90% of deaths is cancer, heart disease, diabetes, neurogenerative diseases. That's it. So, so we all know that aging is bad for our health. So what we do now, we just need to stay on longevity bridge for the next 10, 20 years. What it means that using the best of today's technology, environment, and lifestyle changes to stay at healthy and happy state. So then in 10, 20 years time, when we have all the benefits of technologies and scientific discoveries from near horizon of longevity innovation, we can apply it to us. Like, because I mean, if you're going to be like really, you know, in a really bad shape in 20 years from now, Rob, like your body and mind is, it would not be really worth extending its resource. Okay. So it is very important not to just sit and wait for the future, but just make sure you're living. Yeah. I mean, you are working on your health every day with your everyday choices, your everyday routines, right? Your relationship with healthcare, use of you know, variables, right? Supplements, whatever you want. All right. I'm going um, to, I'm going to stop you there, Sergey. So, I want to make sure that I'm tracking. So what you're saying is where we are right now, we're not going to get to hundred and we're not getting much beyond 122, but what we need to do is we need to make sure that we are in the best health that's possible so that when we hit those markers that in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, where we can go to the next level that we want this vessel to be in the best shape possible in order to catapult into the next whatever technology yeah. has Number for us at that time. Yeah. Number, okay. Exactly. All right. So that's one. So two is I noticed that you, you, you got your pills that you're, uh, you're taking. Show me that. Show me what you got there. What, what's in there. Let's, let's walk through that. What's in that little, uh, thing there. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, supplements, the, the good news about supplements, uh, they all have placebo effect. So if you believe, you know, they work, they work. Like 30 or 40% of the impact is placebo. I'm typical placebo man. I'm like, if I think <laughs> something is working, like it's really working. There, there was just a lot of study around placebo effect. In fact, when you look to, <clears throat> if you look to like pharmaceutical industry, there are a number of studies where placebo was really competing with the actual drug tested. Like placebo group showed exactly the same result. Like, it's unbelievable. Like the power of thoughts are unbelievable. So what do I have here? One, I do have particular, particularly high cholesterol level. This is my personal health crisis that I had back in 2014. This is not dramatic. Like 32% of Americans are suffering from the same uh, issue. So therefore, I'm taking omega-3. Yeah. Should be like the most power, more, you know, highest quality omega-3. This is really important. Um, what else? I'm also, I'm, my diet is heavily plant-based. I do eat meat and fish. I'm not religious about this whole thing, but uh, therefore, you know, I just need to, a little bit more fats. So I'm taking, uh, I think it's flaxseed oil as well. What else? Uh, garlic is really important to you for your vessel's health and your uh, heart health. And we're living in a world where garlic supplements stay orderless, right? So 
you don't need to build a social distance after you take you know, two cardiac supplements. So that's great. No, we just um, need to social distance for COVID. What, yeah, uh, that's true. What is, your, um, what is your wearables? It looks like you have a whoop on your right hand. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I just I just wanted to finalize things. It's just a lot of different, like I have seaweeds on rotation. Like within the six months, every month, I, I'm taking a different kind of seaweeds, right, in form of supplements. And it, from longevity supplements, I would prefer NMN. Okay. I'm taking the sublingual, sublingual version of it because I do believe the absorption rate from NMN uh, in sublingual form is just better when when you just um, take it inside. But it's but it's just the beginning, right? If you go to sergeyyang.com, you can like download the infographic called 10 Longevity Supplements. And okay, there's perfect. part in the book dedicated to that. So wearables. Yeah. The, for the world of the future, we're all going to be full of sensors. Like you've heard the concept of internet of things where, yep. you know, all the things like a car, fridge, I don't know what, like interconnected. Yep. The future will, will in the future, we'll have internet of bodies. We're all going to be full of sensors. We, I mean, all our sensors are going to be connected to a decentralized AI-run system, which would manage our health, monitor and, and, and manage our health, prevent diseases, cure diseases, et cetera. So that's, that's how it will look like in the next 20 to 40 years. That's what I call Internet of Bodies, similar to Internet of Health. So I'm this small, small kind of you know, example of that. And I'm trying to recreate it. Think about this. So you 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 drive in a car. A lot of us drive in the cars. Like think about how many sensors we have in this car. Like today, the car, like it's just not impossible for a car to break on the road. Like it's always like a signal, right? A sensor helping to you. We invested so much you know, much money into like health in the cars. The same same thing will happen with with our own health. So that's the metaphor for you. So variables. What do I use? One. Apple Watch. I, 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 frankly speaking, I actually think like you should be agnostic to wearables. Like if you like Fitbit, Garmin, um, you know, Whoop, Halo. Yeah, I mean, this is great. If it works for you, this is perfect. It, it, right now, we call them wearables. In two, three years' time, it's going to be called our personalized healthcare devices. They will track and monitor our health. They will prevent a lot of problems and they can do it even today. So Apple Watch, from all the future largest healthcare companies on earth, which in 10 years is going to be called Apple, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. By the way, I'm not saying this is good or bad, right? We, we all have our own issues with big tech power in this world. I actually think Apple has like the biggest chances to disrupt healthcare space. The healthcare of the future is not extension of healthcare that we know today. It's going to be new players doing completely new things. And uh, we're going to have data-driven, technology-based version of healthcare. And this is our personalized healthcare device. So Apple is investing heavily in health. And um, that's why even, I mean, if you look at the recent version of Apple Watch, it can detect like five different types of um, irregularities in your heart rhythm. You can fall down in the street. It will call ambulance for you. You can use this to, to do electrocardiogram to measure blood oxygen in your body. And, and, and on and on. I mean, they would, all they need to add is like blood pressure monitor and uh, glucose monitor, which I have separately here. 
Uh, and that's it. This is like 95% of the data you want to have on, on daily, on like hourly basis about your own health. So that's right, Apple. So here, here's what I got. I've got levels, which is probably what you have here. Yeah, right? yeah. I got levels the in there. Hardware. Yeah, I, I've got, uh, I got Whoop. That's telling me uh, how much sleep I'm not getting. Um, I've got Apple Watch that's telling me everything that you said, but not but ends. It's also giving me data that I did. I moved from Los Angeles to Florence and I spent, I don't know, in living in Hermosa Beach in LA, I probably did 5,000 steps a day, something like that. Not, nothing too impressive. I am averaging 20,000 steps a day living here in Florence. Averaging. Like I'm Beautiful. not even... I'm not Beautiful. even trying. Like it's just happening, right? And then I've got this thing, a sponsor. They wanted some promotion, so I gave it a shot and I've been hooked ever since. There's something called Eight Sleep. Have you heard of this? Eight Sleep. No. It's it's a bed. Tell this me. guy All right, so this guy turns the mattress. He said, "Look, Everything has gotten smarter, but the mattress, the mattress is still the same stupid piece of foam that I've been sleeping on ever since I had a mattress. So what if I took the technology of whoop and I put it into a mattress? So it will, it will give you all the bio data that you can get from all the wearables while you're sleeping on it at night. But in addition to that, you could set the temperature. You can get the bed as cold as you want it or as hot as you want it. Um, it's got a little vibration device, uh, so it'll wake up one side of the bed um, on a scale of one to 10, whatever time you want to wake up. Because he interviewed people and he said, what's the two things? What, what are the top things that people don't like about their mattress? First one was that it was cold. And the second one was that uh, when they woke up, they had, a, they had to wake up both parties because the alarm clock was, was loud. Yeah. But my point is that we're living in a world where the devices are on everything. I mean, we're just getting constant feedback. So we are primed, I think, to live the life that, that you're describing that we're going to live. So when I talked to a buddy of mine, I said, I want to live to 130. And he said, why? <laughs> and I said, because I don't, I don't want to leave. He said, well, where's the number for you where it's long enough? And I was really stuck. So what's your thoughts on okay. that. Do you want to I have a view you? on that? Okay. Yeah, I have a view on that. So like we have this binary idea, like I'm either going to be mortal and then I need to have my horizon, like 130 years or 200 years, like Sergey Young, right? Or it's immortality. But then, so like from everything I know about longevity space today, our life is not going to look like one day you need to decide whether you live in 130 years or you're going to live in forever. Our life will be series of life extension decisions every three, five, seven years, okay? So every, let's say, five years, you will need to make a choice whether you want to stay on this planet in this condition, given the you know, new developments of you know, technology, uh, given like where we are in terms of technological breakthroughs and scientific discoveries, and uh, that's it. So it's not like you need to decide now. You're going to define your own horizon. And um, so it's, well, I'm gonna, it's again, I, it's a series of I, life extension decisions. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question you don't know. I don't think you're going to know the answer to. But if you say, I'm done, I've gone as far as I want to take this thing for whatever reason that you don't know what you don't know and you make a decision, I want to leave. 
how do you leave? Do you just not extend your life or do you intentionally end it with like a doctor assisted suicide kind of thing? Or how do you see that playing yeah, out? So that, that's one of the, one of the chapters in my book, like the, the last chapter called morality of immortality. And great name, and, great name, great name. Yeah. Yeah. So the like the biggest problem now we have here, like in 20 years from now, the biggest obstacles to life extension is not going to be science, not going to be technology. It's going to be human ethics and regulation. And if you look at ethical issues, which which are around life extension, immortality, uh, longevity technologies. One of them is this whole decision making on whether you're going to live or you're going to die. Because in today's world, your decision not to extend your lifespan, which you're going to do like every five or seven years, whatever the number is, is called suicide. It's called playing God. Okay. Yep. And, and and that's the problem. So we need to have like the whole ethical debate before we can even embrace this whole idea. And we obviously would need to rethink, you know, our view and paradigm uh, um, around death and how we arrive to that. Well, the, the most interesting thing is like, even if this is socially acceptable, my own concern, I'm a relatively strong man, right? My own concern like, will I have a bravery to make this decision? I don't know. And But there's so many ethical questions related to us living longer. Uh, so that's, we, like, it's almost like we need to have this conversation now, not in 25 years from now. Right. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about mindset. You've said that the way that, you, you know, you think is the way that you age. Well, what do you mean by that? So, uh, I mean, if you look at, uh, it's actually called uh, Think and Grow Young uh, in a book. And I, I, I kind of like this uh, choice of title for one of the subchapters. Um, so what, what, what academics discovered that if you have your psychological age lower than your chronological age, your body and mind responds to that. So I am priming myself. Well, let's look at my example. Like every morning I wake up and my motto is that I, uh, I'm, I'm pronouncing inside my head is, Sergey, you're going to live 200 years in a body of 25 years old, man. So my target psychological age is 25, okay? So like from 49 to 25, whatever the outcome of, you know, age reversal will be, I'm kind of cool with that, Right. So uh, this is great. And, and, and our body responds to the power of our thoughts. And there were a number of experiments, number of studies. Some of us, uh, they really fascinating. I explain it in the book. When um, like they changed the whole uh, settings in the uh, senior living to mimic the design. And actually, I think they took away mirrors. Uh, the design uh, the, to remind like 60s or 70s from the last century, when people were young, were living there now. And they look at their biomarkers. They actually became younger. Well, this is how it works. Like, so what you need to do, like, like this whole concept of age is changing. Right now, like yeah, 20 years ago, like it was just only one age. You look at the passport and then you define your calendar age, chronological age as well. So now we're looking at number of different definition of age. Like, what we discuss with you is our psychological age. Like when people ask me, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm 35. Okay. So, but I have my target psychological age. Like I want to feel like 25. I might not get there at all, 
but it's just healthy difference between my chronological age of 49 years and like 25 years as a target. But there's something else, it's called biological age. This is basically, you measure the set of biomarkers, like from the blood draw, if you want, 20 to 40 different indicators. And then artificial intelligence define with these biomarkers, what is the what is the standard in today's like society or in your geography or in the world? Like people with these numbers, what is their chronological age? And it tells you. And it's called biological age. Okay. It's like biological clock. So for example, let's look at my numbers. I'm 49 chronologically. I'm, I'm going to turn 50 in a month from now. So my biological age is 43. So if you look at my biomarkers, the way my body works, I'm 43. And then my psychological age is like 35. You ask me, like, Sergey, like, how do you feel like what age? Yeah, I'm like 35. That's it. But it's the beauty of these yeah, differences in, in different ages is like if you set up pretty ambitious age goal, your body will respond to that. And actually, your not only your body and in and, and your mind, but like all the practices, all your daily decisions will kind of try to fit that. You'll put more focus on physical activity, right? Like this 10 or even like 20,000 steps a day that you do measured by your variables, right? Your diet choices, your level of cortisol, et cetera. So, okay. So there's a few things. I'll be, I just turned 55 last week. And there are, there are some things that I've done over the course of the last year that have made a measurable difference. But, but one of them I want to bring up and I want to ask you your thoughts on it. I decided to start taking testosterone and it wasn't because I wanted to get bigger. I have plenty of muscle on me. Um, I didn't want to take anabolic steroids and be like, you know, those guys in the gym. I wanted to take testosterone because biologically, you know, um, my, my numbers were, um, you know, when I'm 20 years old, when I was 20, my testosterone was around a thousand and at 55, it was around three or 400. So, there evolutionarily, there was no need for me to have that high level of sex drive oh. and energy. So it came out of me, right? That sort of, th those levels got reduced. So when I went to the doc, you know, he said, uh, I remember I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast and, and uh, he said, look, if you're a man and you want to feel great, take testosterone. You're just going to feel incredible. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll just do it. So didn't notice anything for about a month or two. By the third month, I felt like a new human being. Like I had sex drive that I didn't have since I was probably 16. It was actually too much. It was actually getting in the way. The, uh, the level of mental clarity, focus, drive, everything. So replacing those hormones from where they were dropping to, to where they are. Now I have to get, I have to, you know, in Italy, I had to bring all the testosterone with me. So once a week, I give myself a shot in the ass. And in 48 hours, I feel like, and if I don't do it, oh my God, like I feel like I feel old. So are there anything, is there anything like that, that you're doing from a chemical standpoint, where you're trying to replace numbers that are dropping, like I'm doing with testosterone? Well, first of all, I'm not MD, right? I'm just I a know, fellow biohacker, like longevity investors who are really interested in the aspect of human health and doing a lot of changes. 
yep. on my own. So I have more balanced view on uh, on hormonal therapy and and replacement. So few thoughts here. And again, it might sound a little bit naive in in medical professional terms. Um, I do think it's like one of the most difficult thing to do and to influence in your body is the hormonal balance. And once you just balance that, uh, it might be really difficult to like put it back. So like, I think we just need to realize once, once we are starting the journey of, you know, like testosterone, like hormonal supplementation, one of the scenarios that we might need on that, we might need to live on that till the rest of our life. So that's kind of one thing. Cause you, I mean, once you withdraw from this routine, uh, your body might lose an ability to produce that in a normal Na- way because naturally. the result is like, ex, uh, you know, going from outside. That's kind of one thing. So second thing, I do believe that there are a number of lifestyle interventions who, who can, you know, help you to manage your testosterone level. It's it never going to be uh, to the level of when you were or I were 20 years old, but I'm pretty sure like dietary changes and sleep, one of the most important clinic for all of us in terms of the hormonal balance can give you the same kind of boost and, and spike and, and feeling as well. I do remember uh, back in 2019, I had a, uh, I had a lunch with a man who became a very good friend, Dr. Jack Cradle from uh, London. He runs a longevity clinic in London. He's a founder of that, or one of the co-founders. And I, I usually ask with, you know, start with question like, check like, what is the number one thing? Like, what is the one thing that you would do for longevity and health? And he started with Sergey. Um, every night we have an opportunity to visit the most powerful clinic in the world. We sleep, which actually comes back to your story about eight sleep and measuring the sleep and, and the influence of this whole sleep agenda. So I do believe that there are more harmonious ways to influence that, not probably to the extent and to the level and to effect that you're getting. But yeah, you can, there's, there are more than one option to influence that. So check this out. So with whoop, I noticed that I was not getting into deep sleep for more than 20 minutes. It wasn't much. And I, I mean, I tried, I went blackout curtains. I air conditioned the room. I took a hot shower before bed. I didn't eat. Like I went down the list of everything. Nothing made a difference. The moment I started taking testosterone, I went from 15 minutes to two hours of deep sleep on the whoop. I mean, it's, I mean, think about it when you're 16 years old, Mm -hmm. your mother and father, they can't get you out of bed because you're going into deep. I mean, you know, you have four children, you you know, you're like, get, get your ass out of bed, stop sleeping (laughs) because that's, that's what happens at that age. Right. So you've talked a lot about limiting beliefs and you're uh, you're clearly well, can we big... just finalize so, uh, sorry to oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. So go ahead if you look at my whoop i i'm getting one hour 30 one hour 40 minutes every night i'm 49 in, in so deep. like yeah yeah in deep sleep yeah sure that's great. this is that's what we really really, yeah. so really that, good this is great. so what really helped me is meditation what kind of funny it sounds yeah, like well, every meditation is is uh, is you basically the moment of silence in your mind, and you can achieve it through like you can do TM, right? Like I'm using nails, like I, I bought na- uh, the, like this uh, thing with nails, 
where you stand on that and you meditate for like 30 or 40 minutes. I, I, I took it from Shaolin Monastery in China. You really yeah. are a nut job. Uh, you're lying on a bed of nails, Sergey. <laughs> no, I'm not. Like, I'm standing on that. You're standing yeah, a on a bed cool. of nails. Yeah. That still <clears throat> yeah. sounds yeah, crazy. Yeah, like, it is crazy. Yeah. Why? But like, so that's why. Also, yeah, but like to meditate. Well, it's just it's completely different feeling. It just re-energizes you. Like, uh, but like for meditation, <clears throat> you can use calm. You can use you know headspace. You can just sit silent, like or like Japanese. You can just walk in the park for one hour. So that's kind of one thing. And the other one is neurofeedback, similar to what like Dave Asprey does in his forty years of Zen. And there's a yeah. number of feedback neurofeedback clinics. Like after ten. Uh, visits to neurofeedback clinic, like deep sleep improved significantly with me. Like you're just becoming like a you know, really calm, like balanced version of yourself. So I think, look, human biology is so complex that it's very difficult to connect the dots. Always difficult. It's always complexity of the things. I think my point is like, I kind of like everything you're doing, but my job is to say like, there's a number of alternatives that you can take a look at this, and they might produce similar results. Not two hours, but like hour and a half, et cetera. That's, that's like my only point. But Amazing. I interrupted you mm-hmm, no, no, on no. limiting we're, beliefs. Yeah, We're going to get to limiting beliefs, but you brought a, another thought in my mind. What about, um, have you heard of something called new calm? Do you know about this? New calm. So I think uh, I've seen it somewhere in uh, on Instagram. Yeah, I've, crazy. I've, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, crazy. You take a GABA patch, you put it on your wrist, and you put earbuds in your ears, and in three minutes, you cannot keep your eyes open. You are in a deep trance that you cannot. I'm telling you, Sergey. If th- this interview really? was. This interview was your gift to get Newcom. Get it? Put the GABA patch on. You you, you subscribe to the the membership. Yeah. It's not it's not expensive, and you choose uh, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes, one hour, whatever wow. you want to do, and you go into a theta state faster than I've ever seen in my life. You can't control it. You are I love gone. It. You're drooling in the corner. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. How do you spell it, Rob? N-U, N-U, mm-hmm. new word, calm. New, calm. Okay. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Wow. Okay, limiting beliefs. You are a positive guy. You're a positive mental attitude kind of guy. You speak things into existence is my... Uh, my interpretation. So how much does our limiting beliefs affect our lifespan? Well, I mean, if you look at the choices that we have around beliefs, it's obviously like plus or minus 20 years within the reach. Okay. So if your setup is on the negative side, right, or you have you know, limiting beliefs, not empowering beliefs, you might easily live up to 20 years well less on this planet and or empowering beliefs can uh, can uh, bring just another yeah up to 20 healthy and happy years to your life so just by thinking positively uh, not really like uh, well thoughts are not uh, they're just not in isolation right your thoughts you know becoming your uh, you know daily habits and then your daily choices your action your areas of focus as well. Like, so for example, yeah, like look at limiting beliefs that we have around our health, right? One is like, I I would need, if I'm sick, I would need to have a medication 
to become healthier. Okay, well, that's our limiting belief. We forgot about the power of our body to heal itself. Okay, I'm not saying our body can heal ourselves from like every disease, but for some of the things, just the changing your lifestyle, your diet, right, your routine uh, can cure a lot of things like type 2 diabetes, autoimmune disease. I know a lot of people who cured themselves from that, just changing their lifestyle. So like our empowering belief is like our body has this amazing ability to cure itself, to support your health action plan. And we need to rely on that. So that's kind of one thing. Second thing, if disease is not manifesting itself, I don't need to take care of my health. So what we do is just wait until like stage four cancer, disease manifests itself, we go to doctor and doctor is like, well, it's stage four cancer. Recovery rates are anywhere between nine and 23%. While if you are empowering belief, like I need to be proactive, preemptive about my health. So it's not like when I need, I go to doctor. Then I don't need to go to doctor. This is where I'm visiting my clinic. This is where I'm doing my medical screening, my health checkup. And this is really important right? Then some other like limiting beliefs, like uh, I need to work with doctors to cure symptoms, like the empowering belief. I need to look at the origin of what is happening inside my body. I need to be on the integrated, like a health action plan, right? Going through everything, like physical activity, my life choices, my you know, balance, my sense of happiness, diet, physical activity. And this, you know, in turn will, will help my body to be in a healthier state. And Got this it. all, yeah, and finally, you know, food is medicine, right? I, I'm not going to talk about this one. This is pretty clear, at least hopefully for you and, and this audience. This whole neglection of connection between mind and body. Like, think about this. Like, in nine out of 10 cases, when someone is talking about health, the whole discussion is about physical health. But mental health is equally important and, when, and it's all connected. Like there's no way you will have a healthy brain in unhealthy body and vice versa. So, well, that's that's the other the empowering belief. I, I, you know, if I'm healthy mentally, I need to work on that as well. In addition to work on working on the health of my body and I can go on and on. No, 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 no. Those are, that's really good because limiting beliefs, I, I love the way that you're phrasing the limiting beliefs because they're, it's not so much that it's in, it is a negative belief, but it's not in the negative belief, you know, let's say about yourself, like, you know, I, I can do it. It's more like a negative belief about taking control of your health and finding the cause of, you know, what the problem is, as opposed to just leaving it to a doctor, those kinds of, those kinds of limiting beliefs, people don't even think are limiting beliefs. They just say, well, this is the way it is. If I get sick, I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me what's wrong with me, but you're saying, yeah, but that's a belief. So I love that. I want to talk to you about um, what uh, a previous podcast guest called uh, Soft Targets. I don't remember who named it, to be honest, but mm -hmm. she called it Soft Targets. And it's more about not the, you know, sort of the hard biomarkers that we see. We have high cholesterol and, you know, there's high fat, whatever. And I personally made a decision to leave an environment uh, in America that did not feel to me to be happy, uh, exciting, 
uh, it was filled with all the things that we see on television. You know, we, at first it was the riots in, in LA where they basically burned down LA. Then it was, you know, then we had COVID and then we've got the Democrats and the Republicans that are fighting with each other. Wildfires. Wildfire. It just, it was, you know, it, it ended where, um, I, my home in LA backed up to a school. And one day we heard, uh, what we thought we didn't know what was happening, but, uh, they were, uh, the school on the intercom was saying, get under the table, get under the table. And we thought there was something that happened. And it turns out that they were doing a shooter drill and they were preparing the children that if a sh- shooter comes in, how to hide under the table. And that was it for me. I said, I'm done. I can't, I have a, I have a seven-year-old daughter. And I said, I can't, I can't live this way anymore. So we did a lot of research and we decided to move to Florence. And uh, we've been here now for about a month and a half. And I am noticing that in this short month and a half, things are changing for me. My weight is going down. Little chest pain of stress that I used to have is gone, doesn't exist. My sleep is deeper. The quality of sleep is better. And I can go on and on and on. My joy and happiness for the way that I'm living my life is at a level that I've never quite experienced before. My connection with other human beings uh, are deeper. So my question is, what are your thoughts on our, and I'm choosing America only because I lived in America. There are people listening to the show all over the world. And you know, they may, people in Italy may agree with me and people in Australia may disagree, whatever. But what are your thoughts about your personal environment when I think about the blue zone and I think about places like Sardinia in Italy, where they're, it's the second highest area for centenarians in the world uh, outside of Okinawa, there's a reason that people are living to well into their hundreds and fully functional. What are your thoughts about your place having yeah. an effect on longevity? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> there's there's a lot of contradictions around blue zone as a concept, like statistics behind that. But I do believe the environment defines our longevity chances, and and it, and it heavily influences the physical and mental health. So think about the places like Sardinia, right, which is not far from you. So it's also or it's Okinawa or Sardinia, you know, any other island. So. Number one, it's it's an island, right? You you are in isolation and you are part of relatively small community of like 200, 400, like a thousand people, right? You are not in a in a huge city like LA or New York or Hong Kong or Moscow. So uh, that's important. You know, like a social connection is really different. Like you know the neighbors, they will always support you during the you know, bad time. And you have an opportunity to give back as well. So it's not one way raw. So, so second thing, it's it's always very close to the ocean or to the mm. river. Mm. And so you have disproportionately higher chances to get wild fish and the protein, not from the animals, which were grown on industrial farms with antibiotics, with growth hormones, with E. coli bacteria, but something you can catch from the river or from the ocean. So that's, that's important. And that's actually your more focused on receiving proteins from, you know, fish and seafood rather than from uh, animals, animal meat. So that's, that's important as well. Then um, 
if you look at terrain, is it terrain like the way this this whole thing structured? You can really Ta- like topo- in US, topography. Yeah, topography of the place. Thank you. So like it's not like in US, you just sit in the car and you drive like wherever you want. Yeah, like CVS or in a park. I mean, you need to walk all the time. Like at best, you can use bicycle, and that's it. Okay. Otherwise, you just use it like. The way you move from California to Firenze, like Firenze to Florence, right? You're walking because, like, it just literally, like, in its in in the center of Florence, it's almost impossible to own the car. So you, you end can. up with just walking, you know, all the time. So that's just another thing. And uh, so our environment, so we can recreate this kind of longevity environment in our home, and that's it. And it's some other choices to which was not in the book about blue zones, but you know you can take like just deciding not to listen to the news, right? Not to be like uh, because so, uh, one of my friends they they said CNN is constantly negative news, so like it, it, they just wired you, they increase the level of your cortisol. That's it. While you know, like, why do you need to be like up to date with what is happening in the world? If this is important enough, you know, this information will find you. Always. Yeah. It, I, I eliminated, um, I took, when I moved here, I said, okay, if you're going to move to Florence, don't take, don't take America with you in your phone. So get rid of all, get rid of all the NPRs and all the, the YouTube subs- subscriptions that you're doing. That's just reinforcing the crazy. So I did, I deleted it. At first I was like a heroin addict wanting to get another bump to make sure I can, but then after a while I, I, it became normal. And now I feel quite disconnected from it in a good way, a very happy way. But to your point, if the world is blowing up, somebody is going to say, Hey, look, you know, the world's on fire. You need to look this way. So somebody, somebody is going to tell me. So, okay, well, look, as we, uh, wow, I can't believe it. We, we reached the end of our hour here with time flew by. I'm going to do a quick, um, rapid fire round with you. Just ask, okay. um, answer as quickly, uh, as, as you like, or, uh, as in detail as you want, but basically it's a first thing that comes to mind rounds. What okay. would your friends say is your superpower? Love in the winter. I like it when it's like, I have a lot of problems around me and I'm like, gladiator, I can solve all of them. I love that. Great metaphor. Do you uh, collect anything or have you ever collected anything? Uh, yes. Great people uh, in my life. I'm collecting oh. role models. And like, just one thing on here, like when we were young, like the only way to learn from someone would be to be next to him or to her. And we live in a beautiful play, like in a beautiful moment of time today. You don't need to know the person. You just, you, you can you know, look on YouTube, right? You can sign up for uh, their course. You can read their book. So like, it's just amazing opportunities to bring more and more people inside your life. I love that. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? Yeah, the the questions that um, uh, this is where we started our conversation about, about my childhood and how like really difficult it was, but how is how important it was in terms of like shaping me as a person. Great. What book have you reread the most? <laughs> uh, do I have it here? Essentialism by a very good friend Greg McEwen. Oh, it's a great book. It's a great book. Amazing. Just- and he's an amazing guy. He's father of four as well, actually. 
no kidding. Just yeah, par- yeah. paring it all down, right? Just getting down to the simplicity of it all. What is your guilty pleasure? Uh, <laughs> it's ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. I just, yeah. I just had some gelato. It's, uh, it's five o'clock here at night, and I went out uh, for uh, a date. Jealous. I went out uh, for a date with my wife, and uh, we we went to a wine tasting, and we had some gelato. So, um, uh, what is one thing that you own, and you probably should throw it out, but you're not going to do it? Uh, my smartphone. Hmm. That's a good one. Okay, last question. We're going to change it up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? Okay, so just a little bit of pretext. Like, I'm always the guy with delayed happiness. Like, my happiness moment is always in the future. Yep. How do you manage this whole art of being happy today, Rob? It's really simple. I, uh, I believe that contrast creates clarity. And I spent so many years of my life doing exactly what you just, what you described. When I sell the company, I'm going to be happy. When I write the book, I'm going to be happy. When the kids go to college, I'm going to be happy. And after you live enough years, you realize it's a, it's complete bullshit and it's a lie. And all you have is the moment. So every single day I decide what is it that I'm going to do to be happy and present today. And my life is built around things that I enjoy. I don't do anything that I don't want to do. If I'm not passionate about it, I don't do it. And I am going to enjoy every single moment of my life, but I'm intentional about it. So I do weekly planning on uh, Sunday and I plan the week. I pick uh, the restaurants that we're going to go to during the week. I pick the date night that we're going to go to, the wine tasting that we're going to go to, the weekends. Last weekend, we were in Venice. Next weekend, we're going to be in Milan. All of that is pre-planned. Today, I was on the phone with somebody booking Francescana Osteria, which is Massimo Batura's restaurant. Uh, She was up early for me uh, because it's only once uh, one day for five minutes that you can get into this thing. The point is that I am intentional in the same way that you wear the whoop and you wear everything. I am intentional about stacking my life with things that I love. So I can't help but be happy. I can't delay the satisfaction because I got the gelato in my mouth right now. <laughs> I love it. That's an amazing yeah. Answer. yeah. I'm going to do the same. Thank you. All right, brother. That's this brilliant. was awesome. We're going to link everything up uh, in the show notes. Do you have a, any final words, suggestions, or an ask? for the people that are listening. Yeah. So um, read the book. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just an amazing introduction to the world of longevity and uh, our life choices, which is driven by the fact that we're all going to be living longer or radically longer. Stay healthy and happy. Go to sergeyyoung.com, sign up for our newsletters and uh, enjoy your life. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 